Melissa has our special this morning. star of Bethlehem shining afar through shadows dim giving a light for those who long have gone guiding the wise men on their way unto the place where Jesus lay O beautiful star of Bethlehem shine on O beautiful star of Bethlehem shine upon us until the glory dawn give us the light to light the way into the land of perfect day O beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on. O beautiful star, the hope of rest, for the redeemed, the good and blessed, yonder in glory when the crown is won. For Jesus is now that star divine, brighter and brighter he will shine. O beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on. O beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine upon us until the glory dawn. Give us the light to light the way into the land of perfect day. O beautiful star of Bethlehem, Shine on, O beautiful star of Bethlehem. Shine upon us until the glory dawn. Give us the light to light the way into the land of perfect day. O beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on. O beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on. Thank you, Melissa. And beautiful song, beautiful star, and just a great song, appropriate song. I hope you picked up a bulletin. You can see we're on the second of the series and looking at uh, the countdown to Christmas. Let's read these passages or 
just there in Matthew uh, chapter 2. So let's stand for the reading of God's holy word, Matthew chapter 2. Last week we looked at the meekness of Christ's birth. Today we'll look at the majesty. He is a king. He is not only the king, but the king of kings. And in Matthew chapter 2, in verse 1, we have the very first place in the New Testament that he's called a king. And it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Father, may we worship you this morning, knowing that your son Jesus is the king. In his name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing during the reading of his holy word. God's holy word. It is uh, amazing to look at this scripture and study. I think about how many times and sometimes... Uh, Even Joseph was called a son of David. Now, that all dates back to, he's not called the king of uh, Saul because Saul was the people's choice. David, whom we've been studying on Wednesday nights, was God's choice. He was God's man to be the king of Israel. And Jesus was patterned after David. And they were called, matter of fact, uh, Bethlehem was uh, the city of David. That's where David was from. And now Jesus was born in the city of David. He fulfilled all Scripture. Epaphrata, house of bread, born in a little manger scene. His meekness of his birth means that he was born as a king, but he came in like a pauper. It's kind of like that Charles Dickens book, The Prince and the Pauper. I mean, no, that's Mark Twain, I believe. And uh, you can correct me on my literature after church, get all my classics running together. But, but the prince and the pauper, I believe Mark Twain wrote that. And, uh, but Jesus was a prince and a pauper, okay? And so he was born without anything. Matter of fact, I mean, he didn't drive around in a, in a fancy vehicle, did he? He didn't have a fancy uh, four-legged beast. He didn't come. Did you know the second time he comes, he will come? When he comes to earth, he will come on a horse. And I uh, had one of the young people walk up to me the other day. Matter of fact, said, uh, Brother Michael, one of our young people, this is just the other day, said, Brother Michael, will there be any animals in heaven? I said, well, there'll be a, there, the Bible mentions horses, okay? Brother Michael, and it sounded like a lawyer. <laughs> Brother Michael, will there be any animals in heaven? I said, the Bible mentions horses. Will there be any animals in heaven, Brother Michael? Yes or no? I said, the Bible mentions horses. You can tell I've dealt with lawyers before, and uh, and I've listened to, I've probably sat in probably over five or six hundred depositions, and uh, working for my sister as a videographer, they they uh, can, they want to get their point across, and uh, but he was trying to get it, it, does the Bible mention animals? Well, it does mention a horse, okay, so I said, you're not going to change my words, I'm going to stick with what the Bible says, okay? And uh, and that's what it says, that he comes riding in on a horse. All right? And so he's called the son of David. <clears throat> he's the descendant 
of the king. Right here, we don't have to go very far. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, it says, it says right there that Jesus Christ is the son of David. Now, if you skip down to verse 20, this is interesting. And it says, uh, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David. So what does that mean there? Jesus is called a son of David, and so is Joseph. It just means they had royal lineage. That's what it means. So Jesus had earthly royal lineage as well as spiritual lineage. Folks, he was on a throne. And a matter of fact, he's seated at the right hand of the Father right now. He's called the King of the Jews. Now, our text here says, Now, when the wise men came on the scene and they called him the King of the Jews, it was, and I loved it, uh, the uh, presentation yesterday at Bellevue, uh, they've always done this, and I think it's scripturally accurate. Uh, some people are aware of it. Some people are not aware of it. But it showed uh, the wise men coming in to worship, and uh, they had a real, uh, whenever the shepherds came, Jesus was, of course, just born. He was a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, all right? And they had a real baby up there, 400 people in the cast, and it looked like, uh, I mean, a newborn infant. I don't, you know, you know, uh, bring in the infant. You know, how did they do that? They brought a real live infant in for the scene. That baby's just doing this, doing its thing, and, and it was pretty cool. But when the wise men came, they had a toddler, and uh, which matches the Word of God. The Bible says that it was later on. Uh, that uh, Jesus was uh, <clears throat> saw the wise men. So it's pretty neat uh, to see that reflected in there. Here we have the king of the Jews being mentioned as a, uh, a term of compliments. Only three times in the Word of God do we find the word Christian. And uh, uh, the very first one is in Acts chapter 11. And then the next one is in Acts chapter 27. And then the next one is in 1 Peter. And it says in all of those, the first one is it was a, term, a Christian was a derogatory remark. And then later on it says, uh, Peter says, if any man suffer, let him suffer as a Christian. The second time there in the book of Acts is whenever uh, Paul, excuse me, Agrippa said to Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. So the term can be used as a compliment. You know, if somebody says, well, you must be a Christian, how would you take that? Well, I'd take it as a compliment if somebody said that to me. Well, you must be a Christian. I can tell by the way you were praying before the meal. Okay, you must be a Christian. Uh, I can tell by the way you, everybody else is just using foul language right and left, but you never use foul language. You must be a Christian, okay? And uh, so, by the way, can you be saved and not be a Christian? Yes. Saved means you've invited Jesus to be your Savior. But did you know that a saved person can act non-Christ-like, unchristian-like? Yes, that's true. And so, just wanted to uh, point those terms out. Here in this text, uh, it's, a, it's a very good thing. He says, We're wanna, we want to come worship the King of the Jews. I want to worship Him. But later on, still in the book of Matthew, we find that is a term 
of derision and ridicule. Matter of fact, it's all found right there in Matthew 27. It's all in the same place. And um, in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 11, Jesus stood before the governor. And the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, notice this wasn't something he called himself. It was always a term given to him by others. He said, Thou sayest, in other words, uh, whatever you say. That's what you, I mean, if that's what you want to call me. He didn't call himself the king of the Jews. It was a term given by others. Skip on down to verse 29. Still in Matthew 27, in verse 29. And when they had platted a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him. You know, folks, our Savior was mocked. There's all sorts of ways you can mock somebody. And Jesus was mocked, made fun of, ridiculed, called names. You, oh, look at you, king of the Jews. Just put on all sorts of sarcasm. They said, here's your crown. Boom! And then blood came down. Here's your scepter before they handed it to him. Boom! Hit him upside the head. The Bible says they smote him. That's, an, that's the King James word for strike hit. They didn't just... They didn't give him a slap. It wasn't a peck. They bloodied his nose. The Bible says, mentions the, the names they called him. And then finally, if you look at the last scripture in verse 37, what does it say? And so they got him up there and they're crucifying him. And they set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Well, just take your little marker and head back to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to camp there a second. King of the Jews. So he... He is king of the Jews, but did you know he's not only king of the Jews, he's the king of my heart, and I hope he's the king of your heart. And uh, so many times people were the king on our own throne. You know, basically it's like this, if you're saved, uh, Jesus is running your life, and uh, it's like this. Uh, how many of you uh, will willingly admit this morning that you tell your spouse how to drive. <laughs> My wife raised her hand. And uh, she, she has uh, bearable tones that take place. <laughs> it starts in low and it goes up from there. And especially whenever, you know, and whenever you're in the passenger seat, did y'all know there's an imaginary brake over there? And uh, and so, but it's kind of like we do that with Jesus. You know, we, we, we he, shouldn't he be in the driver's seat of our life? <laughs> this is the correct answer for this. 
Okay. He should be. And uh, so, but you know, but we like to tell them, A, how to drive, or B, hey, just scoot over and let me take over from here. And a lot of us want to be in the driver's seat of our life and take over. So he should be the king of your heart. He should be the driver of your life. But a lot of us either want to tell him how to drive or B, tell him to scoot over and let us take over for a little while. And usually after the wreck, you say, Jesus, what's that song? Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> yeah. Is that Jesus take the wheel, and shouldn't he already have the wheel anyway? So he should already be there. And that's making him, oh, by the way, if you do that, that's called, he's the king. He's the king. He's the king. And you can't say that enough. He's the king. Now, looking at this next part, still talking about his majesty. He's the king, but they gave him three gifts. Now, this is where we get the idea that there were three wise men. There were three gifts. There could have been more. There could have been two wise men per gift. But nevertheless, it just says there were three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's right there. Uh, whenever they uh, presented him the gifts. And if you look at them there in chapter 2 and verse 11. And we're going to talk about these real quick. It's pretty neat. Matthew chapter 2 verse 11. It says this, and when they were coming to the house, this is after the manger scene. Uh, some believe that there were months uh, or something like that. Some believe even maybe a year. They're not really, really don't know the exact time frame. But we do know this, whenever they hadn't come back and say a year to see King Herod, what age babies did Herod kill? Two years old and down. Remember that? So it had been a little while since they'd been by. We do know that. As a matter of fact, God told them, don't go back. He said, that's verse 12. So you see right there, right there out of God's Word, they presented unto Him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's just take these in kind of reverse order. Uh, and somebody described it this way, and I like it. That uh, myrrh could, you know, Jesus is not only king, but he's, the Bible mentions Him as prophet, priest, and king. The Bible calls him those three things. And a prophet is likened unto uh, death, if you will. And you know, Jesus died for us. If skip over, still in Matthew. Hanging around Matthew. He's the king of kings. In Matthew chapter 23. Let's look to God's word there. In verse 30. <clears throat> it says here, And say... If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. You know, if it was us, we wouldn't have killed Isaiah. We wouldn't have killed all those other guys. Wherefore, you be witnesses unto yourselves that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. And then if you skip down to verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you wouldn't listen. It just says you would not. You wouldn't listen to who? You wouldn't listen to the prophets. And guess who the last one God sent them was? His son. And guess what they did to him? 
kill him. And that's what that myrrh represents. Now, some have mentioned about the priestly. You know, Jesus, the Bible says, is the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was appointed by God. And guess Jesus was. He didn't come from the Levitical tribe of Aaron, but he was a priest, having neither beginning nor end. The Bible says that, did you know that if you got in trouble in the days of Old Testament Moses, that you could flee to a city of refuge? And the Bible says you could stay safe there until the death of the high priest. Guess when our high priest is going to die? <laughs> Never. That kind of teaches me about security of the believer. So we can stay safe in our city of refuge. And who's our city of refuge? Jesus. And he's never going to die. But it says here that frankincense is a sweet aroma. I think about us as Christians. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11 mentions this sweet aroma. Now I want to head to the gold. Head to Revelation chapter 19. And kind of closing this out. Revelation chapter 19. This is that horse. We're finally going to see the horse mentioned in God's Word. It's right here. And uh matter of fact, you have to back up to see that. You see, he's riding a white horse in verse 11. And then it says in verse 14 that everybody who's with him is riding or riding white horses. And then finally it says, And he had on his vesture and on his name, on his thigh, a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the king. I'll tell you what, I I love that story. And uh, that uh, part of that sermon by that preacher, this is back in the 60s. And he said, uh, My Bible says... That He is the King of the Jews. He is the King of Israel. He's the King of righteousness. He's the King of the ages. He's the King of heaven. He's the King of glory. He's the King of kings. And He's the Lord of lords. You know, that's, that's my King and that's your King. David says, The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows His handiwork. No means of measure can define His limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of His shoreless supply. No barriers can hinder Him from pouring out His blessings. Folks, He is enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Now, that's my king. He is God's son. He's the center savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the highest and loftiest idea in literature, the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine in true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. That's my king, folks. He's your king and my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you can choose to call him. 
He's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. Listen, He sympathizes and He saves. He guards and He guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate and He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. He beautifies the meek. Let me ask you this morning, do you know Him? Do you know this King? He is the key of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness, the highway of holiness. He is the King of kings. He's the leader of legislators. (laughs) He's the governor of governors, the prince of peace, and the king of kings. You know, his office is manifold. His promises are sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. Folks, His reign is righteous. His grace is sufficient. His yoke is easy. And His burden is light. I wish I could describe Him to you. (laughs) He's indescribable. He's indestructible. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. I'm trying to tell you the heaven of heavens cannot contain Him, let alone a man explain Him. You can't get Him out of your mind, and you can't get Him off your hands. The Pharisees couldn't stand Him, but they couldn't. They found out they couldn't stop Him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in Him. Imagine that. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill Him. Death couldn't handle Him, and the grave couldn't hold Him. Amen? That's my king. He's always been, always will be. He's had no predecessor. Folks, there's nobody before him. There's not going to be anybody after him. You can't impeach him, and he's not going to resign. Amen? That's my king. He is the king of kings. Folks, all power, all glory. The glory is his. His is the kingdom Forever and ever and ever. And when you get through with the fall of forevers, and we say, Amen. Folks, He is a great, great phenomenon. I think about Him. And uh, all that He is to you and to me. Do you know Him? He is the King of kings. We had a young person come up here a little earlier. Kind of a acknowledging with a gift, free of charge, that we want you to grow. If you know Jesus as your Savior this morning, let Him be King. Let Him be King in your heart, King of your life. As we prepare for a hymn of invitation, would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, I thank You for taking a few moments to talk about Your Son, that He is the King of kings. Let Him be the King of our heart this morning.
and all this busy hustle and bustle of the Christmas season, may we remember that you're the reason for it all. It's not about receiving, but dear Lord, it's about giving. It's about giving to others. Giving of our time, giving of our heart, giving of ourselves. May we do that this morning while we have this a time and opportunity. In Jesus' holy name, amen.